I'm Allison Halchen. I am the co-founder and president of Kinship. I'm Kristen Powell. I'm the co-founder and CEO of Kinship. And what we love about beauty is that it helps us connect with ourselves, with one another, and the world around us. From New York City, you're listening to Beauty is Your Business, covering the intersection of innovation and business in the beauty industry. Welcome to today's episode of Beauty is Your Business. I am your co-host, Jessica Quick, joined by my business partner and fellow co-host, Denise Dente. Hey, Denise. Hi, Jessica. How are you doing in this wonderful new year? It's starting off right for me. Great. Well, we are super excited to be joined by Kristen and Allison, the co-founders of Kinship Skincare. And we have a bunch of questions we've been dying to ask them as this brand new brand has come into the marketplace just over two years ago at this point. So welcome, Kristen. Welcome, Allison. Hi. Thank you. So great to be here. Hello. Well, we always love having beauty veterans, I call them, on our show. And both of you have been in this industry for quite a long time. So we'd love to hear about your journey through the beauty world and really where you ended up now as co-founders of Kinship. Well, thank you so much for having us. We're so excited to be here and talk with you and share everything Kinship. I can kick off with my background and then hand it over to my co-founder, Allison. I got into the beauty industry because I was solving a personal pain point for myself. I was looking for skincare that worked in my late 20s. I'd always had bad skin in my teen years and it continued into my 20s. And I was really desperate really to find something that worked, but also that was good for me. And so that ended up being a brand. It was one of the first clean brands on the market, Juice Beauty. I co-founded it, was there for seven years as co-founder. And I became in love with the science of skin um, and plant medicine and dove deeply into clinical studies and botanical science. Just really loved the idea of helping people find healthy skin through great quality, clean skincare. After Juice Beauty, I went to Paracone MD and headed up R&D formulations for four years during a growth period from 50 million to 100 million and worked with a pro. I mean, Dr. Paracone was the head of holistic beauty. He was one of the innovators behind inner and outer beauty. And I learned a tremendous amount from him about clinical science and how to formulate products with efficacious dosages, how to really help people have transformation in their skincare. And then after Paracone, I went over to another startup called Ever by Stella and Dot which was a high-end botanical skincare line that blended clinical science and clean. And that really led me to meeting Allison 2018. And we got to know each other over coffee one day in Sausalito on a sunny morning and learned a little bit about her background and we instantly connected. So my background, very different from Kristen's, but we both share that common beauty sisterhood that binds us. 
like Kristen, I too, in my teens and 20s, experienced a lot of struggles with acne breakouts. It's such a common thing and that most people can really relate to having skin challenges or issues. And so for me, I had an early passion for just playing in front of the mirror and experimenting both with skincare and with makeup. And that passion led me to Benefit Cosmetics, where I spent 16 years starting in the late 90s, joining the company right after the acquisition by LVMH and learning the PR and marketing side of the business directly from the co-founders, Jean and Jane Ford, and then Through that experience, growing the company with the company, it grew me and I grew it. It was really a magical time. I got to experience taking the brand from the early days where the business was at about $50 million to over a billion dollars when I left in 2016. So it was a really exciting and interesting and wonderful time to be in beauty And that's really where I caught the beauty bug. I feel really fortunate that I got to work alongside brand founders. I think that's really unusual. And the fact that I was spending every day with the founders who had created this brand was really, I didn't know it at the time, but it was preparing me for what I was going to do at Kinship. And having spent time at Benefit growing the brand and really building out how you can build community, build connection, create awareness, and do all these really incredible things to really engage your audience. It was a perfect kind of moment for me to really use and wear a lot of different hats that I think really also helped make me well-rounded in the beauty industry, which has served me well now with Kinship. And for me, when I met Kristen, I was actually thinking, gosh, I've just spent 16 years in this industry. Maybe it's time for a change. Maybe it's time for me to do something new and do something different. And when I met Kristen, I was at a point in my life where I was really kind of struggling personally with this idea of thinking about my personal values wanting my next career and my next role to really align with those. And while I loved beauty so much, there was a piece of the industry that I was really struggling with. And that was that I felt like the beauty industry needed to really do a better job with respect to ingredients, with respect to cleaning up the quality of the ingredients and the products, and also with respect to sustainability. And so when I met Kristen, we kind of instantly connected because I said to her, you know, hey, I'm struggling. Like I really want to find for myself and for my children. I'm really looking for clean, high-performance products that really work. And I can't believe here I've been in the beauty industry for 16 years and I can't find this. I should know. I should be able to find it. And she and I kind of had this moment where we looked at each other and, you know, she was like, well, I'm struggling too. And as she was also raising children and we both had between us five Gen Zers, we thought, why isn't there a brand out there that is really speaking to today's consumer that is really 
really celebrating diversity and inclusion and that really feels accessible to everyone that is really leading with sustainability and wanting to have a positive impact, not only on people's skins, but on the planet. And with this idea of really wanting to not have to sacrifice efficacy for clean, because we really believed that it was possible to actually have both, to actually have high integrity ingredients that are clean, that are safe, as well as real science and efficacy and performance. And that was kind of the beginning of a moment where we looked at each other and we thought, well, if not us, then who? Right. You were the ones most, you know, really with all of those skill sets necessary to really come to fruition, this amazing line. And I love that you had this clean need, the science-backed skincare need, and then the fact that you did target Gen Z and specifically what's interesting is the price point because while there's a lot of great efficacious ingredients on the market, they are most of the times out of a price range where this generation could attain them. So I'd love to understand a little bit more too about when you knew you wanted to focus on Gen Z because it wasn't you specifically, you weren't the ones that you were trying to find consumers like. And how did you go about making sure that you were really identifying what Gen Z needed and wanted, how you were able to use that language from inclusion and diversity, how you were able to obviously aesthetically appeal to them? What did you do to really get into the mindset of this different demographic than you're in? Yeah, well, first and foremost, we're raising them. So we're literally in a living lab every single day where I'm looking at my daughter's TikToks constantly. I see my son and how he interacts digitally. We're raising them. So we're literally in the midst of how they're seeing the world and how they came into the world. So I think that gives us a huge advantage. And we care deeply about their generation because we see the future and where it's headed and we want to make an impact for them. I think that was one of our biggest inspirations is that we wanted to create a brand for today's generation and have it be a legacy brand that they can use for the rest of their life. Um, the first thing we did, aside from spend a lot of time testing on our kids, was we formed what we're calling the Kin Circle. And it was a group of about 50 to 100 Gen Zers from around the country with different backgrounds, different ethnic backgrounds, different socioeconomic backgrounds. And we invited them to come into this circle and learn what we were doing and really contribute in all aspects of the brand from how do the products samples work for their skin? What do they think of the price point? Is it accessible to them? Do they like the models? Do they like the colors? And I remember one specific example of when we were showing them certain colors to the brand, what we learned from our audience was that the gender stereotypes that Allison and I grew up with are completely different now for Gen Z and that the boys, for instance, were resonating with the pink colors and the girls are resonating with blue. And, and so it just blew open our world about what's possible and how we just needed to be completely open about how this brand was going to evolve and come into the world and really listen to the reality of what they wanted to see, not just from a skincare brand, but from brands in general these days. With about 24% of this population being, you know, our population is made up of this Gen Z category, and it's a 
big percentage of the population. So really curious about this idea of what have you learned that takes a spin on your previous knowledge. You've mentioned this idea that color was a spin and was in alignment with what you had previously learned or discovered. What other things have come about from this audience? Gen Z and why we were so interested in it, aside from the fact that we were living with Gen Z, is that they're really breaking all kinds of boundaries. And it's a wonderful time in the world because while we're going through a tremendous change and shift, it's really the catalyst for that has really been this generation. And one of my favorite examples is one of our Kin Circle members from the very beginning. His name was Travis, and he had this hoodie on in one of the photos that we snapped of him that said, water is more precious than gold. And it was a picture that we printed out and Chris and I put it on our bulletin board, kind of like our vision board as we were building kinship and the idea behind it. And we said, that's it. That's like kind of it in a nutshell, this idea of flipping everything that we thought was important on its head and really taking this different approach to life and to talking about what matters and to talking about what we all really need to think is valuable. And that is really what led Kristen and I to think about our brand being not about beauty at all, but being about connection and being about that connection to yourself. That's not easy to feel connected inside and the power of that and the power of when you actually have that connection with yourself, how you can connect with each other and one another and how much we need that connection. We all need that so badly. And then the incredible force of how we connect with the great outdoors and with the planet. And for us, it was that real turning point that we realized that not only were we creating a brand with the community that we were serving and we were going to build it with them, but that also we were going to really challenge every single stereotype or idea that we kind of had previously about how things have to be done or the way you have to build a beauty company. And we were going to flip all those things on their head. And we were actually going to start with the opposite. One of our favorite, exciting kind of moments as we were building the brand together was that we took someone by the name of Tiffany Zong to lunch and she was 18 and she was dubbed the Gen Z Whisperer. And we thought, let's take her to lunch and see if we can get any advice. If there's any advice that this younger generation has for us. And as we told her about our idea for kinship and what we were doing, she looked at us and said, I want to be your first investor. I believe in what you're building. I'm investing in things that are changing the world for my generation. And I believe in you. And for us, that was the greatest, most powerful thing she could have said. And it gave us the confidence that we were on the right track to doing something that really hadn't been done before. And that really was putting the future and today's generation first. What is so amazing about that story as well is you really did put the authentic voice of the brand. If you're for Gen Z, the fact that your first investor is in that group and that there's a bit of risk with all investors, right, that you take on. And the fact that you're sitting across the table and thinking to yourself, 
yes, this is a partnership that we want. And I think that speaks volumes about, to your point earlier, Allison, about being more than just the product. It is about this whole ideology that you guys have wrapped into the brand. And I find it really, really heartwarming that you guys literally started as your first investor with a Gen Zer, but you obviously have taken on more investors as well. So how do you utilize those investors? How do you utilize these partnerships? Because you have so much outside listening that you're doing, how do you strategically find the right pieces of advice to use? Do you have a process? What do you do to ensure they're getting the best out of your investors or your partners? Yes, that's been a learning process for us as well as our investors. And since Tiffany, we've added three more Gen Zers to our cap table. And we also have about a third of our team are under 25. And so we really want to surround ourselves with that youthful voice and energy because we do realize that they do have a different perspective on everything. But with respect to investors, I think it was a process of finding where their sweet spot is in terms of the expertise that they have and kind of looking at everyone and figuring out, okay, it's sort of like weighing the value of what they can add and then picking and choosing, oh, that person has actually had a great track record with distribution or that investor has actually been an operator and was great with marketing. This investor is amazing with capital raising. So finding their expertise. And that takes a while. It was challenging for us because in the beginning, we just wanted all the advice. And then we realized, wait, I don't think we need all this advice at once. I think we just need to fill in the gaps. And it was a process of just not managing them, but you kind of have to manage their expectations and also take it in, filter it and realize that at the end of the day, We have to trust our gut. This is a business that we've created, the Allison that came out of our blood, sweat, and tears. And at the end of the day, we we know really what we need to do for the brand. So it's really like taking the advice, but also really weighing it and making sure that we're not just taking advice to please someone, but we're doing it for the better of the company. And we know that you just launched a new product, which is always really exciting, particularly at this early stage of launching the brand. How have you gone about that? How have you gone about launching it and getting trial and getting to this group of Gen Z so they try it and fall in love with it? Yes. So we just actually yesterday, we just launched our new Naked Apple Gel Cleanser. It's an oil-free, blemish control, yummy, delicious apple cleanser. And one of the things that we had the fortune to do was to really think back on the last two years and take some of our learnings of what's worked and continue to kind of build off of that and think through how we are bringing products into market and how we are introducing them in a way that really resonates with our audience as we're building it and as we're growing kinship. We always start with really thinking about what the need is that we're solving for and how we can innovate. Kinship's approach to product development and to building out our assortment is really with thoughtfulness. We're not looking to be a brand that has 100 plus SKUs. We're looking to have a really thoughtful, tight assortment that 
is curated and where we're actually adding products into the world that actually don't currently exist or that solve a need that hasn't been met. From there, we think about how can we really bring something new to the table that doesn't exist today that we feel like is missing? And what is the science and the technology that we're going to build into that product to really deliver far and away an expectation that's really going to meet the customer with what they really need? And for us, it all starts with the formula. I know that when I was looking at this brand and touching and feeling it, that the one piece that kept jumping out to me was the kin biome. And I would love to hear a little bit more about that. And specifically, I imagine it's quite a long process, but when you have a clean element to it as well, I would love to understand the kind of development of that and and the technology of what that means. Yeah. So clean is table stakes now. And I think the brands that are going to succeed in what Kinship really set out to the beginning was to make sure we delivered on that performance. People are not going to buy a product more than once if it doesn't work. And so at the end of the day, it really has to deliver on what you're saying it is going to do. And that's also part of the transparency that we need to all be mindful of with Gen Z. They're big bullshit detectors. So if you're saying it does something, it better do what you say it's going to do. And the kin biome really came out of years of research that I had done on the microbiome of the skin. It's an area of science that has been going on for some time with the gut, with probiotics, and a similar framework exists on your skin. And it has to do with the balance of good and bad bacteria that lives on the skin. And so we took the approach of, well, let's really focus the formulations on protecting that microbiome, which happens to be a big critical factor in how your skin looks and feels and behaves. And there's still a lot to learn. We're just at the tip of the iceberg. But what we have found is that using our kin biome in the products, we've done testing with and without it. It really does make a difference in how balanced your skin looks, how glowy it looks, how healthy it feels. And it's not just about looking, it's actually how your skin feels. It balances midday oil. It helps reduce blemishes. It was a core part of why we wanted to create this line because no one was really focusing on that particular science for Gen Z. Acne is a huge category and it's a problem for not just teens, but adults now too. And so the kin biome actually works for not just a young person's skin, but actually it works on anti-aging too, because it's all about your moisture and oil balance and collagen protection, UV protection. One specific example of how we use the kin biome is in our sunscreen, our self-reflect, which is one of our best sellers. It's an award-winning product. And we wanted to create a sunscreen that actually helped with blemishes because it didn't exist. So we call it the skinification of SPF. It it really does solve for all the issues that Gen Z had with wearing sunscreen. We wanted it to not have a white cast. We wanted it to not be pasty or goopy, had to smell good, couldn't like feel like a traditional sunscreen. And so we put the Kin Biome in there as one of our first products. And it was like immediately people saw a difference and they wanted to wear it because it feels like a skincare product, not because it's a sunscreen. So it's kind of like, we really made SPF cool. And fortunately now I think a lot of brands are following 
by making SPF products that are multi-purpose, but we took that approach with the rest of the collection as well. You've clearly put a lot of time and effort and energy into the formulas and developing those types of things. But now that you've got the product, what about distribution and how are you going about distributing the brand D2C, brick and mortar? And what are some of the trials and tribulations and challenges that have come about through that process? So we believe in a really tight, focused distribution plan to start. So for Kinship, as Kristen and I were building the brand, we really thought about where our customer is and where they're spending their time. And first of all, they're digital natives and Kinship was born digital. So first and foremost, of course, it was so important for us to connect with our customer directly through our D2C business and through a D2C channel. And currently, our website and D2C business is a really important backbone to our business. As we continued and got to know our customer after launching and we're talking with them, we started thinking about where other opportunities would be for them to connect with Kinship. And again, with this idea of wanting to make science-backed, clean, performance skincare accessible, we really knew that we needed a strong anchor retail partner that really believed in our approach to, to beauty and to health and wellness. And for us, we found that with Ulta. Ulta Beauty really impressed us with their commitment to conscious beauty, which for them is a huge initiative that they launched around the time that Kinship launched at Ulta. And it shows their commitment to really wanting to elevate the industry and to really create positive change in you know, key areas, specifically sustainability, formulation, purpose, vegan, cruelty-free. And for us, that seeing that alignment was really powerful. Secondly, when we thought about our customer, and again, for kinship, it was really about serving the unmet needs of today's generation. And we really feel that starts with Gen Z. For us, we really overwhelmingly saw that Ulta has that Gen Z customer, and that is where that Gen Z customer is. And if we're talking about accessibility and bringing that to Gen Z, it was a no-brainer. Ulta was the partner for us. The other really important piece for us is we think about distribution and wanting to keep it narrow, but still wanting to have an omni-channel approach was that we really had a huge respect and admiration and were really inspired by Credo Beauty. And we loved what Credo Beauty was doing to really push the industry forward with respect to clean. They're really the gold standard when it comes to clean. And for Kristen and I, it was imperative that Kinship have that Credo clean stamp of approval. So from a distribution standpoint, we launched our D2C. We then opened in Credo and Ulta Beauty became our really key large retail partner. And as we think about continued growth for us, it starts with really focusing on where we are and doing well there. We really believe in healthy comp store 
growth and business and building a brand thoughtfully through week over week, month over month, year over year growth, as opposed to trying to grow super rapidly by just opening up endless points of distribution and not having any of those have your time and energy and dedication to actually making them meaningful. So that's really been our approach. And so what we find really interesting in a lot of these cases, when you have like the Ultas and the Credos, this partnership with them and growing your brand, like you're saying, week over week and month over month requires either innovation or promotions or certain things. How are you balancing that request? Are you getting a lot of requests from Ulta and Credo to constantly kind of have new news to talk about? Or did you already know that was coming in there for build that in your innovation plans? I mean, I could speak to the product side of it. And I think Allison is best suited for the promotional side. But from a product perspective, the last thing we want to do, as Allison mentioned, is just throw product into the market that doesn't need to be there. I think that in some ways the industry has been on a, it's kind of like a drug, right? That we always think we need newness in order to talk about something. I think that we need to get out of that habit of continual launches over and over and over again. I think that we're in a big, huge sustainability problem because of it. And we shouldn't be launching things just for press or just because we want buzz or we, because we want the retailer to talk about them. We should be launching quality things that matter and that make a difference and that people really want to use for a long time. So from a sustainability and mindfulness perspective, we really believe that it's about, you know, there's a lot of people that don't know about kinship yet. We feel like we want to spend a fair amount of our time promoting who we are and the fact that we exist on our core products versus spending 90% of our resource on promoting new. And it's a fine balance because you know, we want to have a full collection. We want to have newness. That's absolutely part of our planning, but it's a balance between making sure we have that foundational awareness of who we are and why we exist and why we're different before we pump new products into the market. I would also add it's a balance and it really starts with the partnership that you have with your retailer so for us, that means really aligning with Credo and Ulta on how we're going to build our business together with them. I recognize that they have, in each of their cases, so many brands, right? And they only have so much time and support and energy they can give to each brand. So I think as a new brand, as a challenger brand, as an indie brand, it's really important to advocate for yourself and to demand that support and partnership from any retail partner that you're going to engage with. And it's not easy. It's a give and a take. I think brands also have to be, and we've had to be, really resourceful and thoughtful about how we're going to drive the business because we're not a big Benefit Cosmetics. We're not a big NARS or L'Oreal. We don't have those kinds of resources. We don't have a field team. We don't have the huge marketing budget. So how can we actually drive our business through more resourceful grassroots marketing efforts? 
What are some of those grassroots efforts that you have found successful? I'm really curious on, you know, launching a new brand, getting into the hands of the Gen Z group. What strategies have you used that you have found worked to get them to trial new product and to repeat and so forth? So one of our key strategies is early on, we discovered that we had a star product with our self-reflect sunscreen. And rather than decide that, you know what, we're going to just push all of our products equally, we really decided to double down on that product because it was clear right out of the gates that that product was our star, our hero. And so for us, it was about how do we take one product, one product that seems to really clearly be differentiating, one product that seems to be standing out from the rest, that across the board is really it's winning awards, customers are falling in love with it. We see this traction. Influencers are talking about it. Customers can't get enough of it. How do we push it more? And so for us, it was about drilling it down into a specific product and thinking about how can we push this across kind of every vehicle we have. And for us, it started with relationships and with thinking about how we could, without paying for it, get exposure. So we did a lot of mailings and mailings to press and mailings to micro-influencers and mailings to bloggers and mailings to our top customers, really trying to get in that kind of purely organic way, that traction. And then having conversations with some of our top customers and hearing from them what they loved most about the product and then taking that and really expressing it in a more clear way. So for us, one of the things we learned about Self-Reflect was how much people actually not only loved it because it was this mineral sunscreen that was so lightweight and sheer, but that actually it gave them this incredible blurred finish, this incredible glowy complexion. So then we thought, aha, okay, let's actually message around the fact that it is actually giving them this beautiful skin finish and it's actually glowing, giving their skin this healthy glow. Let's lean into that. Let's talk about the science of the formula. Let's talk about the Kim biome. Let's talk about how that's happening. And let's talk about how it is actually giving you an immediate, your skin, an immediate glowy, fun look. And how can we bring that to life digitally? And for us, we then leaned into content creation and how we could work with some of the early customers of ours and some of the early micro-influencers who had fallen in love with our products, how we could partner with those people to actually create some really fun content to actually spread through social, to actually reach new people and really demonstrate that, that immediate impact of the product and how glowy and beautiful their skin looked. It is true. I think that is one of the star products. When you talk kinship, I think that is where most people's minds go to. So I love that you were able to share a little bit more about it and really just your overall journey. I find through this conversation, there were so many moments that you have a wealth of knowledge just from the industry, but now because of what you've done with kinship in this demographic generation, I am so grateful that you've been here to share that with us. I do actually have one question since you both have kids that have been integral in this. What one or two products do your kids absolutely love in this lineup? That's a great question. They love all of them, to be honest. But I think InstaSwipe, it's the exfoliating pads, especially for the boys. And then Super Mellow 
has been a real favorite with both the boys and girls. We have a very large male population that loves kinship, but the Insta Swipe is really like the easiest thing to use if you don't want to use four or five products a day. It's like one swipe and you're really like taking care of three different things with your skin. So for my kids, those are the two go-tos. So my kids love Self-Reflect sunscreen, SPF. It's the first sunscreen they would actually wear and they are really good at it now. I'm really proud (laughs) because they're like our harshest critics. Our kids are like our harshest critics and they're really honest about it. It's not because we're moms and it's our company. That's not cool. They're like, I don't care. I don't want to wear this. I don't want to try this. I don't like this. Keep working on it. They're like the toughest critics. So the fact that we were actually able to crack that and mind you, Kristen must have went through like 50 different iterations of that formula. And our kids were actually, we were making them like slather on each and every one to tell us like, what do you think about this one? How's it feel? So, so that's a huge feat right then and there. And then I would say the other thing that they've fallen in love with is, is the newest product that we just launched, the Naked Apple. And I think that my kids are getting to the age where they are starting to have some of those hormonal breakouts. And during the teen years, some of our skin does start to, some of us get acne then, some of us get it as adults. And for them, those little breakouts that they're starting to get, Naked Apple just takes care of them. It's just the right thing. It's just the right thing for them. Gentle, hydrating, and perfect with the niacinamide to uh, do that deep pore cleanse. Well, I'm so glad that you've got your kids in the SPF mode at an early age, (laughs) Uh, particularly for all of us that live out in the California sunshine. We definitely need that on our skin all the time. So congratulations on getting your kids to wear sunscreen. I think that in itself, beyond having a brand new business, is uh, a great accomplishment. And we love this conversation about kinship. I'd love to speak to you more in the future about the name and all of the other great things that you have. But if people do want to reach out to you and gather some more information, how can they reach you? Yeah, I think the easiest way to reach us is on Instagram, on our personal Instagram account. So I'm Kristen M. Powell at my hashtag is Kristen M. Powell on Instagram and Allison. I'm Allison Halgen. And yeah, DM is great. They can DM us and we can connect that way through Instagram. Well, certainly this generation that you're servicing definitely is well aware of all of the features of Instagram and uses them very well. So it's great that people can reach out to you via that mode. And we really appreciate having you on the show today, particularly during your busy schedule of this period of time. And we want to congratulate you and wish you well with the launch of your new product. Thank you so much for joining us today on Beauty Is Your Business. Thank you. Thank you both. It's been so much fun. This has been Beauty Is Your Business. Produced by Mouth Media Network. Keep in touch on Instagram and Facebook at Mouth Media Network. And find prior episodes at beautyisyourbusiness.com and wherever the best podcasts are found. Your brand message can be on this show. Email us to find out more at podcast at mouthmedianetwork.com. Thank you for listening.